0: Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. One of the biggest challenges of the Christian life is when the promises of God and reality don't seem to match up. This leads to a variety of experiences and emotions, not the least of which can be the crisis of faith. Abraham was known as a friend of God. But in Genesis chapter 18, God himself visits Abraham and puts their friendship to the test. Has that ever happened to you? If it hasn't, it most likely will. So it is essential to be ready for the challenge from the Lord so he can grow our faith more. Let's start to get ready and join Pastor Jim in part one of his message, Is Anything Too Hard for the Lord? Certainly I've come to realize
1: that one of the biggest challenges in the Christian life is when reality and God's promises just don't seem to meet. They just don't seem to, to match up. And many of us have experienced that, and many of us are experiencing that right now. Many people have experienced job loss, or a, a, a slow or a cutback in, in their business. Many people are very, very lonely. Many people are frustrated, many people are sick, and they don't even want to go to the doctor. And all of these things and much, much more that we could go on forever. If we went around the room, we could talk about all the different things that are frustrating and discouraging us, but all of of these things and much, much more can lead us to a crisis of faith. Right now, the the studies are showing that a lot of relationships are strained. A lot of things are just being pushed to the max, and that can lead us to a crisis of faith. Abraham and his wife Sarah had received a great promise from the Lord, or actually numerous great promises, including the the biggest one of all, that they were going to have a son, and his descendants, there would, would come out of them the people of God, But reality told a different story. And, you know, being human, Abraham was human. I'm sure there was, for him and for his wife, a tremendous amount of disappointment. I know a lot of people like to pretend that there's no disappointment when they have faith, but but then when, if you really get them alone or they get alone with God, hopefully God's like, would you stop with the lying and just tell me what's going on in your heart? I know, you know, I want to hear you say it. And, and, and so there's a lot of disappointment yet. The Old Testament uses a very unusual term. It's, a different, it's different in the New Testament. He lived 2,000 years before Jesus. A very unusual term for Abraham. The Old Testament calls Abraham, in a couple spots, the friend of God. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when things are going wrong in my life and, 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 and reality and the promises are just not coming together, I do say this to God. I know this is terribly disrespectful, but I do say this to him, and I haven't been zapped with lightning yet. I say, God, is this the way you treat your friends? <laughs> I mean, are you kidding me? I've said, it, I've said it on behalf of many of you to God. <laughs> so as we come to chapter 18, again, we're only going to do half today, because the, the second half of 18 and 19 really go together, shows us about their friendship. Really, in the next section, we really see a lot about their friendship. And the New Testament teaches, after Jesus came and, and taught his disciples and you know, died on the cross and rose from the dead for a follower of Jesus. And by that, we mean anybody who's put their trust in him, not just somebody who says, well, I'm Christian, I filled it out on the survey, but somebody who's put their trust in Jesus instead of themselves, that you are a friend of God, that you have a relationship, a friendship with Jesus. Now, friendship with God, friendship with Jesus does not avoid Reality. In fact, a true friendship with God is open. It's very honest. And you will find that quite often, I find it quite often, that the Lord will often rock the boat of your life. You're like, what in the world is going on? It, it seems to me at times that God tests the limits of our friendship. That God challenges our friendship. In in, in other words, to say, you say you're my friend, but are you really as much your friend? Do you really consider me as much a friend as you say you are? Really asking us, do you really trust me in tough times? Do, Do you really... Really lean upon me when things are hard. And so now we learned last week that Abraham is 100. Sarah is 90. They have been waiting for this promise of a son for 25 years. And so if you're waiting for a promise for 25 years, let's take the age out of it. That's a long time, isn't it? Wouldn't you be kind of prone to think maybe I heard God wrong or maybe, maybe it's not going to come to pass? Now let's put their age into it. She's 90. How many 90-year-old women do you know are getting pregnant and birthing babies? Not too many, huh? And we already know, we've already said in the past that, that she was unable to conceive children. And so God comes to his friend Abraham Comes to his friend, Sarah. Comes to his friend, Pastor Jim. Comes to his friend, you, if you've put your trust in Jesus. And if you haven't, you can today. And he asks a simple question, which is the title of our message. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Simple, simple question. Well, let's jump in. Chapter 18, verse 1. Then the Lord, then Yahweh appeared to him. Appeared to who? Appeared to Abraham. So here the Lord shows up. Here I am. Appeared to Abraham. By the terebinth trees of Mamre as he was sitting in the tent door. So Abraham's sitting at the entrance to the tent in the heat of the day. So it's hot. Hot Middle Eastern, sun. He's getting some shade. It's siesta time. Verse two. So he lifted his eyes and looked and behold... Just a lesson in Bible reading, whenever you see that in the Bible, whenever you see that it says that somebody looked or behold, that means that what comes next is important. So he lifted his eyes and looked and behold, three men were standing by him. Some of your versions say three men were standing in front of him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them, doesn't care how hot it is and bowed himself to the ground. Now remember, this is the great father of many nations. This is a rich guy, Abraham. He's got hundreds of people working for him, and he runs and he bows to these guys. So let's recap what's going on here. The Lord himself pays Abraham a surprise visit. When? At the most inconvenient time of the day. In the heat of the day. The last time you want to have company, right? It's like, not now, not now. I've noticed in my life that the Lord likes surprise visits. Have you noticed that, some of you? Have he really likes surprise, I'm here. You're like, oh, not now, not now. He tends to show up for at least in my life, or maybe it's just the nature of my life, when it's most inconvenient <laughs> or the heat of the moment. You have him show up in the heathen moment. You're like, you're a parent, I want to kill that kid. You're you're married, you're like, I want to kill my spouse or your boss. I want to kill my boss or you are the boss. I want to kill the people who work for me. And the Lord's like, hey, how you doing? I'm here. (laughs) Let's hang out, man. Now, let me ask you this Does the Lord expect you to drop everything for him? Yeah, it certainly seems to me like he does. It certainly seems like he does. I mean, you say, well, he's your friend. You got to tell your friend, bad time, friend. He's also God. So, so maybe the friend might wait, but God doesn't, doesn't have to. And um, <laughs> it, it just seems to me like he just shows up and he's like, all right, it's time to drop everything. So it's hot, it's siesta time, it's inconvenient, but Abraham runs to meet them and bows to the ground. Here's the question. Does Abraham know it's the Lord? I don't know. We're not really told. Maybe, maybe not yet anyway. To get get the picture, and, and it's important to know this, that many times in the Old Testament, God will take on a form that can be seen by people. Because that's the Bible contradiction people says. No one has seen God and lived. Well, yes, unless he takes on a different form. So there are times when he takes on a different form and can be seen by people. And he ultimately does it 2,000 years later from Abraham and 2,000 years ago from us in the person of Jesus of Nazareth when God himself became a man. That's what Christmas is all about. So some people look at these three visitors and see the Trinity, I think it's a bit of a stretch, personally. If you disagree, that's fine. Don't worry about it. You say, why? Well, because I've read ahead. And at the end of the second half of the chapter, we see Abraham knows that he's talking to the Lord and two angels. So verse 3, Abraham speaking, he said, And said, My Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. Please let a little water be brought And, or some versions say that you may, makes it a little clearer, and that you may wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will bring a morsel of bread. Now, if you're young, that, morsel's not a word we use too much anymore, except if you have mice. People say, like, put a little morsel, you know, of peanut butter on the trap or something like that. And uh, if you live by the woods, you got them. I was talking to an exterminator one time. He says, if anybody who lives by the woods says they don't have mice, they're liars. So, so, but morsel just means a small amount. So I, I just, I just, I just want to give you, a, you know, a small amount of food. Uh, the idea is a snack. Sit and have a snack. So he says, and I will bring you a morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts, so that you can refresh yourselves. After that, you may pass by. You can keep going. After that, just sit, have some water, have, some, have a little bit to eat, and you can get going. Inasmuch as you have come to your servant, they said, do as you have said. What did they say? Sure, we'll eat. Let's do it, man. Let's do it, free food, you know? They'll take, they'll take it. So I'm reading through the Gospels right now. And I uh, just finished Matthew, Manny, Mo, and Jack. No, that's not it. Uh, those are the pep boys. <laughs> um, so, but I just finished Matthew, Mark, and Luke. I'm starting John tomorrow. And there's always different things that catch my eye. And one thing I've really noticed is how often I have been struck by the personal nature of Jesus. You know, it's interesting, there's one part of the church that emphasizes him being a man, another side that emphasizes him being God, but Jesus was fully God and fully man. And and so I'm really struck by how personal he is. I mean, he he gets lambasted by the religious leaders by being a friend of sinners because he gladly went over Matthew, the tax collector's house, for a party. He, he went into Peter's house to heal his mother-in-law and then enjoyed a good meal from her. He, he, he went to Mary and Martha's house. He was hanging out there. We think he had Bible studies at, at Peter's house. You know, when he... In Luke 19, he meets this guy named Zacchaeus who nobody can stand. And he tells Zacchaeus, hey, I'm going to your house today. After after Zacchaeus becomes a follower of Jesus, he would even go when invited to the house of religious leaders he knew who hated him and wanted to trap him in his words. Jesus seemed happy to go wherever he was invited But Jesus also seemed quite ready to leave places where he was not wanted. It's interesting about Jesus. Jesus would go into the most humble of homes. And he would go into places where people were living less than humbly. People who had money, as we would say. And see, the reality is is that Jesus will enter any home Jesus will enter any heart that wants him to come in. He's willing to do that. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, that's so important that you understand that. When we look at the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, especially when we look at the cross, God clearly wants to be friends with us. He clearly wants us to know him. He clearly wants us to be friends with, with him. And if we're not friends with him, and let me even clarify that a little more. If we're not close friends with Jesus, we have to be honest and say, that's on us. That's not on him. It's not like he hasn't made the effort. Really, we need to remember we talked last time about we have to make a response to God. It's, it's up to us to respond to him very sadly, when you talk with people who don't know Jesus, again, if that's you today, we're glad that you're with us. It's very sad that many of them perceive God to be uh, distant. That's why they really, I think, believe that gathering with the family of God, God's people who've put their trust in Him, God's kids, if you will, is optional because they don't understand how. Our father loves to gather with his children like any father loves to gather with his children or should want to gather with his children. People don't understand that the Lord loves to be with his people. He loves to see his people being together. And so as we said, Jesus is very sociable. And Abraham opens up his tent, his home, opens up his heart and the Lord is more than willing. He says, will you, will you stay with me? And will you be with me, Lord? And the Lord says, hey, I'm in, bro. I'm here, man. And, and, and the Lord is more than willing to be with him. You know, there's a verse that we repeat a lot. And I think that we've just portrayed it. And this is the risen Christ speaking. And he says this, Revelations 3.20 Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. That's really what this means. Like Jesus wants to come in to be with us. And so the question, the soul searching question becomes, will we let him in? And let let me even make it more personal. Will you let him in? Will I let him in? Is Jesus, again, I know this is a soul searching question. Is Jesus a welcomed guest in your heart? Or is it only when you want things from him? And not maybe when he wants to talk to you about serious things? Verse 6 says, So Abraham hurried. I love Abraham's sense of urgency. I think that's one time. One thing that, you know, with our Christian jargon and our Christian lingo, we, we, we lack sometimes a sense of urgency. You know, people are like, well, hey, what about that, man? Are you doing that? Oh, I'm just waiting on the Lord. You know? <laughs> what about that? Are you, are you, you know, doing what you're supposed to do? Oh, I'm praying about it. You know, it's like, wait, wait. waiting on the Lord is what? It's what we're doing when we're waiting to do what God has promised. It's not procrastinating on everything. Now, there's some things we legitimately are going to have to wait on, but a lot of other things we're not going to have to. So Abraham hurried uh, into the tent to Sarah and said, quickly, make ready three measures of fine meal. That would be flour. Uh, Knead it and make cakes or make bread. And Abraham ran to the herd, took a tender and good or choice calf, gave it to a young man, and he hastened to prepare it. What happened to a morsel of food? (laughs) This is like a feast he's making. I guess he's gonna get Jesus and the angels so tired they'll be like, oh, I can't move. I will stay here longer, right? But no, this is a full-on meal. So he took butter, verse eight. So he took butter and milk and the calf which he had prepared and set it before them. So what's Abraham doing? He's serving them and he stood by them under the, ter- under the tree as they ate. So they're eating and what's Abraham doing? He's watching, He's watching them eat. He is the servant. He is the waiter. This is typical hospitality in this part of the world. Some of you, maybe you've experienced this from, from people who come from this part of the world. They, they invite you over for a snack, and they stuff you like a Thanksgiving turkey. <laughs> then you go home, and it's like, your wife's like, I cooked a good dinner. And you're like, no way. Can't do it. Can't do it. Years ago, many years ago, I, I had a friend at Calvary Chapel, Old Bridge, and uh, he was known as Brother Andrew, and uh, he just called everybody Brother Andrew. He always called me Brother Jim, and he was Brother Andrew, and he was from Egypt, and sometimes, uh, he lived by the church, we lived a little distance away, and sometimes I would pick him up, and we would go for Wednesday night communion together. They had communion on the first Wednesday night uh, of the month, and so I would pick up brother andrew he couldn 't drive he was an elderly man, and so we would go to communion together and and then I would go to drop him off. What an event that always was now here we have it's it 's after nine o 'clock he would you know like to hang out and talk, and you know, he was retired i I used to get up at between four and five back then, still get up a little bit later than that, not much right now, but just you, know, you learn habits, and that's what you do. But, uh, and so we'd pull up, and I would know, here it comes. I'd even be sometimes like, why do I pull up to the curb? Why do I waste my time pulling up to the curb? He's not going to let me just go, drop him off. And he'd go, Brother Jim, Brother Jim, come in for a snack. Come in for a morsel, right? <laughs> and, and I would be like, oh, my goodness. And there would be so much food. Like as soon as I would finish one thing, he'd bring out more and he'd bring out more and he'd bring out more. And I was much younger then and I could eat a lot more then. And I would be there eating with him for hours. Poor Pam thought I was dead. She was like, where in the world is is my husband? And um, I would fast on Thursdays because I would be so full from eating and I'd have to get up in a couple hours. And Brother Andrew seemed like a humble man to me but he it seemed to me that he saved the best food for his company and he would not eat he would just watch me eat now some of you might be saying well that's nice he was a lonely old man and, and you kept him company and that is indeed possible but it's easy to see how abraham after all these years and all the traveling that he had done to get to the point where he was, even though we know that he had three or four or 500 men working for him and then, and then he had their families and stuff like that, he was surrounded by people. But Abraham was the leader. And Abraham experienced as any leader has experienced, if, if you're a leader in a, in a church or if you're a leader in your business or you're the boss or something like that, you know that being the leader can be very lonely, even though you are surrounded by people, because you know as soon as you leave the room, they start telling lies about you. <laughs> That's just the, way, it's just the way people, well, at least in America, are or they start pointing out everything that's wrong. See, Abraham had left his home, remember. He went to Ur the Chaldeans, from Ur the Chaldeans, and then he went to Haran, and then he's, now he's up in Canaan, very long, long journey. He left his home to come to a strange land. So he left all his friends. On the way, his father died. We already covered that his nephew Lot is now living over by Sodom, which we'll get into next half of the chapter. And perhaps he's lonely, and so God comes to be with him. And maybe, maybe that's you right now. Maybe you're used to being lonely or you've experienced a lot of loneliness in your life and this year has put loneliness on steroids for you. This year has been so incredibly lonely for you. You couple that with what we refer to around here sometimes as the age of distraction that you can spend your whole life looking at your little God, you know, your cell phone and you realize that hours have just frittered away or the whole day has just frittered away. And so loneliness is probably not just some of you right now. It's probably most of you right now. And you can be lonely when you are surrounded by a lot of people. That
0: doesn't have anything to do with it. Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love brings you the great hope of the gospel to equip you to reach others with this transforming message. In a world filled with fear and mistrust, Pastor Jim provides the path to freedom in a clear and transparent style. Changed by Love needs your help to reach thousands, including your friends and neighbors. Find out the ways you can team financially with Changed by Love by visiting our website at changedbyloveradio.org or call 862-217-9686. Pastor Jim would love to hear your story and how Changed by Love has impacted your life or someone you know. Your encouragement goes a long way. Thank you for spending time with Pastor Jim Kevney and Changed by Love.